0: I wonder, I wonder if you've ever felt unappreciated, like you did something exceptionally helpful and the people that you hoped would notice didn't notice. Ever had that happen? You know, maybe it's doing some work around the house that you hoped that everyone would come and say, thanks for that, and they just kind of shrugged and said, okay, or maybe it was something at work where you went above and beyond and you were sure that someone would point it out and say, look at this great work that was done. Now we don't, all, the rest of us don't have as much to do, right? Like you've had that happen, right? I decided during this quarantine to solve that problem. You see, every time I do something now, I point it out. And point out what a hero I am you know the other day I had washed the pots and pans and so I said to Megan I washed the pots and pans I'm a hero laughter of course she said you know what about the rest of the dishes but you know I've always wanted to do this and so now I can I've washed the pots and pans I'm a hero There you go. That's the right response. Right? Like, we need one of those. We need an applause sign to follow us around sometimes uh, so we can point out the moments when people ought to be especially proud of us. But it doesn't always work that way, does it? More often than not, that work, that extra effort we put in, it goes unnoticed. The people that we hope would point it out, would see it, would applaud for us, don't necessarily. Yeah, yeah, see, I got her trained. Um, They don't notice. And that's who we've been talking about are these people who their work go unnoticed. And today, we're going to talk about the biggest batch of them. The women who followed Jesus. I think the passage from Luke chapter 8 verses 1 through 3 might be one of the most overlooked passages in all of Scripture. Think about it for a moment. Luke says that there were with Jesus the twelve. You know who the twelve are, right? Can you name some of them? Peter, right? James? John, Thomas, Judas, Maybe we can name them. And with them, says, says Luke, were the women. How many? We don't know. It seems like a bunch. And the implication in Luke 8 is that they were there all along. In fact, the best line is the line at the very end. Chapter 8, verse 3 of Luke and others who provided for them out of their own resources. The women bankrolled Jesus' ministry. You got these 12 guys and Jesus who spend three years wandering around Palestine. They're not working. They're not independently wealthy. They're Fishers and carpenters and zealots, maybe a tax collector, but he gave everything away before he started. How are they eating? Where are they staying? The women provided for them out of their resources. There is no ministry of Jesus and the twelve without the funding of these women. We hear about some of them in Luke. Mary the Magdalene, Mary, the mother of Joseph and James, and Jesus, Salome, and others. So many others that they aren't even given names. Talk about overlooked work. Most of the time, we don't even ask that question, right? Like, how did they afford to do this for three years, to be unemployed and wander around preaching the women the women who out of their generosity gave all that they have so that this ministry could happen for three years and then at the end what happens well Peter denies Jesus three times Judas betrays him. The other ten run away, except for John. He's at the bottom of the cross. And the other people there watching from a distance are the women. Mary, his mother. Perhaps Magdalene as well. Salome, Joanna. And then, three days later, they're the ones that go to the tomb. They're the first ones to witness to the resurrection of Jesus, and they're the ones who tell the apostles. None of this happens without their witness. None of it. They're there at the beginning when Jesus is born, they're there in the middle, providing for the wealth for this ministry to happen. They're there at the end, the last ones watching. They're there at the end to take care of the dead body. They aren't there to witness the resurrection. They don't think that's happening. They're there to take care of the dead body because none of the men are willing to do it. And they come back. And the way Luke tells it, maybe you know this, the way Luke tells it, the women come back and they tell the the disciples, the apostles, the twelve, the great big names of James and John and Peter, they tell them all that they had seen. And the disciples didn't believe the women. You know, they've only been there the whole time. Walking alongside him the whole time. Even when the others jumped ship. In fact, we can think about the disciples and think about their motivations even. The examples that we get of their motivations aren't that great. James and John, the sons of thunder. Remember what they did? James and John went to him and said, hey, 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 when this is all over, can you uh, make sure that we've got an important job in your kingdom? Peter, we don't know much about his motivation, but it seems like at the very least he lost it at the end. His motivation wasn't great enough to supersede the threat of being arrested on that last night. Judas, it seems, had a motivation of money and wealth, perhaps. But the women just gave. They just gave all that they had. They gave their attention, their compassion, their wealth. They gave their lives, risking being there when none of the other apostles would be there. They gave their all. They gave their hearts. Frankly, brothers, women are better at that than men, giving their hearts. There's something to it. Women who witness birth are often the ones who are present at death, as was the case with Jesus. Think about the professions that are predominantly, historically, culturally right now assigned to women. Jobs like nurses who attend at life and death. Teachers who pour compassion into children who can't give it back always. Right? That's what we're called to do. We're called to witness from the beginning to the end Today, uh, if you haven't seen it yet, uh, the New York Times ran 1,000 mini obituaries on the front page of their whole paper. 1% of all those who have died from the coronavirus so far this year. It covers the whole front page spread of the New York Times. Whatever you think about the next steps forward, as people of faith, we are called to witness to those men and women whatever else we might think about what should be open and what should not, about where we should wear masks and where we should not, whatever else we think about all of it, the economic, political solutions, as people of faith, we are called to witness to the lives, to the names, to the memories of those 100,000 people. Which is not an easy task. Which can feel overwhelming. Which perhaps we might be afraid would get in the way of us making the right decision for moving forward. But our faith says that the only way to move forward is with compassion. Compassion that witnesses to the birth of life and the death. Compassion that stands at the cross and weeps when everyone else would rather run away. Compassion that remembers the name. Compassion that gives generously so that people can be fed and clothed as those women gave passionately for the ministry of Jesus. Our faith requires us to give our whole hearts the women who followed Jesus. There are lots of overlooked stories throughout the Bible. We encountered some of them in the Old Testament, the story of Hagar and Chipra and Puah. We encountered some others in the New Testament, Ananias and Onesimus. But this one, these women... I don't think you can tell the gospel story without them. And yet somehow we've managed to do that, to tell the gospel story without noticing their witness. And I think our understanding of the gospel is lesser because of it. I didn't want the attention that James and John asked for. They weren't as outspoken as Peter was, nor as quick to run away. They didn't care about gaining wealth as Judas seemed to. All they cared about doing was giving their hearts, their time, and their wealth to support Jesus' ministry of compassion. And for that, they go unnoticed. I sometimes get mad when things I do get unnoticed. I'm sure that none of you do. When I, you know, do a load of laundry, say, it happens. Do a load of laundry, say, and I don't get applauded for it. (laughs) Thank you. Or, you know, mow the lawn or take care of the garden or whatever it is, and I'm not just covered in praise for this ordinary thing that I've done. (laughs) But as we go out into the world with the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy, peace and patience, kindness, generosity, self-control, faithfulness, we are called to do it knowing that that work will likely be overlooked. Knowing that, like the women in the gospel story, it may even be that no one but God remembers our name. It may be that no one, no one but God notices what we've done. But that's why we do it. Not for the noticing, not for the applause, not for the praise, not for the status but because, in Christ Jesus, that's who we are, and we can do no other. Scripture is full of unsung heroes, and we ought to lift them up and tell their stories. But even more so, we ought to hope and pray and strive to become one of those unsung heroes.